You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. Now, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I am joined by the one, the only, Jack Wright. If you want to find Jack on Twitter, you can hit him at Bear Down Jack, just like it sounds. All right, so Jack, to say that we are, that is the second time I have done that. I love that. that. that I always I just, yeah, every time. Now you get an applause. You get an applause every time you go. There's a little loop button peeling back the curtain. Dengel is still learning how to drive this whole thing. So there's a there's a loop button, and I didn't hit the loop button. So please forgive me. Okay. All right. Let's reel it back. Let's pretend like we're starting again. We got an awesome guest, a, a friend of ours who just is football. He won't say this, but I'll say it. Football genius. Crazy, crazy, crazy smart dude. How excited are you? I'm very excited. I mean, th- we are in the the doldrums, as you know, everybody talks about <laughs> sports radio in this like vast wasteland of in between sports. If you love baseball, it's starting to heat up, but it's not here yet. And, and I know that there's the USFL and I know that there's the XFL and those are OK, but. There's nothing better than talking about Bears football, NFL football, and especially with with people who who know about it. And then also we don't have to talk about all the ridiculousness that's been going on in the last two weeks. It, I'm tired of it, Ryan. How about you? I, I we're, we're not even going to say it because everybody knows what we're talking about. Right. We'll just say our quarterback is not going anywhere and we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. All right. I've actually even got a shirt for this guy, right? Like the ready to roll. I I'm, I'm a fan of, of him as a guy. He's a great dad. He's a great coach. He's also just, uh, he just, he knows his stuff. And so we're really excited to bring him on before we do that though. We got two people we got to give a quick thank you to. So the first one is Jeff Cadwallader. Now we're not going to say much, but we're just going to say Jeff Cadwallader has supported us from the beginning. He's at uh, something going on, a bit of a transition going on right now where we can't say anything more than that. So Jeff Cadwallader, let me just say this, a truly, truly wonderful guy. And we're so, so damn thankful for him. So Jeff, thank you, buddy. Jeff, really true. Thank you for supporting us from the onset and good luck with your new endeavors. We really are supporting you like you've supported us. And the other thing that's going down is that once we get past, I think we're in second or third winter, and then we'll have like <laughs> the spring of deception, and then there will be like false spring. But eventually, spring's going to hit, and Ryan and I will get rid of all of all of this. We'll, we'll, we're going to trim it down, and we've got one guy to go to, and that's Will at Sheridan's Barbershop. And Sheridan's Barbershop is located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, and it's been serving the community for 68 years. With six barbers, they are open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, and they have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. I usually go on the app, Ryan. What do you usually do? Do you go to the... It's easy. The app is so easy to get it done, to get it to get a, an appointment set. You've got to go check it out. Sheridan's, they're so freaking good, man. 
Otherwise, you can go to Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137 and book your appointment today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right, folks, I'm just going to say this as a programming note before we bring on our phenomenal, phenomenal guest, which is if you are one of our audio-only listeners, we are watching film today, and so you're going to want to hop on over to YouTube, check this video out on YouTube. We're going to try our best to describe it to all of you audio-only listeners, but yet again, we're, we're telling you, come on over. All right, so without further ado, we've already kind of built this up quite a bit. Mike Fitzgerald, the head football coach of the York Dukes, good friend of ours, good friend of the show. Mike, how are you, buddy? Doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, always great to talk with you guys. I know I, I leave you hanging for a while during football season, so it's good to be back. So uh, York Dukes kind of had a, a pretty spectacular season. Now, again, I know you're not going to say it, so but I can. I can say some things that you can't say beyond impressive just i know that the you know there there was a i live in the area and so hearing some of the things out york's never going to win and over the last couple of seasons you have taken that program and just run with it man what what do you attribute the the success that you guys have had at york yeah i mean first of all it's not just me i mean we, we've had a ton of people pushing in the same direction unbelievable staff that is very committed, really good with relationships with the kids and, and the kids are willing to do anything for them. And obviously we got great kids who we've asked a lot out of them in terms of workouts and commitment and working hard and, and they continue to step up and just do more. And, and the way they worked really set us up for, you know, constant progress. And this year it kind of all came together and it just was magical. I mean, even being removed from it from a few months, just you really start to think about it even more and how special it was, you know, when you're in it, it's just like on to the next one, on to the next one. And you're trying to stay focused, tunnel vision. Um, but now it's, it's, you know, as we're removed, it, you, it really sinks in kind of what they did and what they accomplished. It was, it was special for sure. Building a program like you have, that's not traditionally seen a lot of success is I think a lot of fun and there's a lot of pride and a lot of hard work. How do we, what about the sustaining part of it now? Like what, what do you look forward to about that element? Yeah, for sure. That's going to be our biggest challenge, right? Is not getting complacent and staying hungry. And, you know, I think when we, we started, the first thing is just getting the kids to believe, you know, I think that's, that's the first part is, you know, getting them to believe that it can be done, that we can make runs like this. We can win conference. And those are just words when you first get there and, and the kids were great in terms of believing that. And, and we told them that's the start, but the behaviors are second. And we got to continue to work. And if we work hard, those things can happen. And I think the best thing for us is, you know, we're, we're one game away from the state championship. So now those words that we were preaching, you know, some people and even the kids probably thought like, is this really possible? You know what I mean? And, and now that they know it is possible, I think that motivates them even more. And I mean, we have about 130 kids right now in the morning working out, which is unbelievable. And they're not getting complacent and I'm just really excited about this next group and it is a new challenge, a new standard, but these kids are ready for that. We talked last week. We had a phenomenal guest who you actually know, Nick Hildreth and Rachel Caros from Willowbrook High School, uh, coaching the very first flag football state championship. We talked a little bit about the time commitment. I don't know that most people understand. Jack and I have both been high school coaches and so we, we, we sort of get it. 
how do you how do you <laughs> how do you do it man you know what i mean you've got three little ones at home uh and all of that like how do you make this work i'm sure at the end of that season you know your your goal is is clearly to get as far as you can in the playoffs but at the same time like family that's got to be tough man yeah i mean first off you got to marry right i mean <laughs> My, my wife, she's unbelievable. And honestly, a lot of that falls on her and and she's definitely a big part of our success, just like our other coaches. And she does, she picks up a lot of the weight when I'm gone and, but she never makes me feel bad about it. She knows it's a passion of mine. She knows making an impact on kids and she sees it firsthand too. So she's, you know, my biggest supporter and that kind of lets me run with it. And it is, it's a balancing act. You know, you got to be able to to shut things off when you come home, which is hard because your mind's racing about different things. And that's definitely something I got to get better at because sometimes even when I leave work, it's still with me, which bothers me. I'm playing with my kids and I'm thinking about a football game. Like, <laughs> you know, it's hard to just shut it on, shut it off. So it's a constant process trying to do that. Um, but, you know, when you work with great people and you work with great kids and they're motivated, it it does help keep you going. And you know, you get a note here or there from a kid saying how much, you know, you made a difference, like that picks you up, you know, it, it keeps you going and uh, makes it all worthwhile. If you know what I mean. It is infectious. Like the, 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 the love of the game. I, I sometimes tell a story. I remember when I went to college, you know, playing on Saturdays and I would go to church on Sundays and I had gone to church, you know, every Sunday for 20 plus years, uh, you know, thanks mom. But I remember one Sunday I was going through and just every single play was going through my head play by play. And I, I had this moment where I was like, Oh, I, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm going to football on Sundays. And so it, what you said about, you know, playing with your kids and still thinking about it, that's, that's fairly par for the course. You know, that's a tough yeah. thing to compartmentalize and shift gears. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's something I think we got to keep getting better at just because, family's got to come first and being able to do that. So it's, it's something I'm working on. And like I said, I'm blessed with a, a great wife that makes it happen, but yeah, Hildreth, I don't know how he does that going to his practice and the girls, um, you know, but he, he's a, another guy who's just a tremendous coach and somebody who makes a great impact on kids. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, he jumps right into that willing to kind of take that charge on and, and do something special for them as well. Well, Fitz, we when we could talk high school ball all the time. I, I'll just say this, man. Every week we give shout outs and 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 Jack and I were we're spending a lot of time talking about the York team and just so excited to see you guys go as far as you did. So that was a lot of fun. But we did bring you on to talk Chicago Bears. I think it's a it's an important point to make out that you're not a Bears fan. Now you are a huge football fan and you did a whole lot of work for this podcast but I, I think I'm kind of excited about the fact that you're not a Bears fan you can look at this with a little bit more objective view than I think maybe some of our other guests uh, so thanks for doing that first and foremost yeah going back to our last point you know life is busy so I, I really don't have a chance to watch football you know during the season so I'm, I'm kind of removed from it kind of entrenched in my own thing and you know when you ask me to do this it's kind of fun to step away and, and look at somebody else but yeah I'm, I'm not an expert you know, and I don't want to be that guy that is in the crowd in my stance telling me what to do because I know it's a lot more complicated to that, like what's going on in that locker room. And, you know, there's things that they coach that maybe just didn't happen. So, um, you know, there's definitely things to this that we'll never know the the complete in and out of it. Well, I think that the, the big question that we're going after is why did Justin Fields struggle as a passer at times? And I think fits to that to your point, right, saying that you're not an expert. 
he admitted he didn't pass, uh, didn't do as well in the passing game as he would have liked. Uh, there, the, we understand that this is multifaceted, and I think more than you giving us specific answers, you're going to kind of break down some of the things. We're going to look at some film here. We're going to look specifically at the Dallas game. So that's week eight, Chicago Bears at Dallas wearing those just hideous orange jerseys. Uh, we're going to look at some things that Justin Fields did well and some things not so well, and also some things that the Chicago Bears were able to do because of Justin Fields' skill set. Is there anything that I'm kind of missing in there, Fitz, before we kind of sort of hop into this? No, I, you know, you guys asked me to look at a few games, and th- I think the Dallas game is kind of a, a good one because it highlights a lot of the things that I saw in other other tapes. So I think this will be good to go through and maybe point out some things that the casual football fan might not even recognize. And honestly, it's hard to recognize when it's going so fast on TV. Like you really got to watch this stuff a few times and be like, Oh, like, you know, there's something there that maybe I didn't see the first time. So I appreciate you guys, you know, doing the video. I know this is a first, so I'm glad to be a part of this and I think it'll be fun. So yeah, when, when Fitz goes, Hey, I really want to look at this and do this. And so that people can see it, I'm like, okay, let's figure out how to do that. So I'm, I'm asking for just a little bit of grace with everybody that's out there. So boom, Hey, first we got it on the screen. So we got that going for us, which is nice. <laughs> All right. So let's do this. Let's, let's go ahead and we're going to hit play. Can you well, guys see well, it? Before you even hit play, I'll just point out a couple things. So what we're going to see in this play is, is what I call the H back, this tight end off the ball, the second receiver down here on the bottom, he's going to go in motion. And a lot of teams use that motion to help the quarterback to identify whether it's, it's man or zone. And you'll see the guy run with them, um, which will be the first indicator that it's man. And then I'll kind of go from there. So if you want to start the film. Sure. So that's why the, so that's why the tight end is moving out to the, the top of the screen. The Justin Fields right. Gotcha. Yep. So go back to the start. So this is just a simple concept where he's going to motion out and stop it right there. That guy goes with them. They have a screen up there on the top. So if nobody went with them, it'd be three on two. It's a simple numbers read. They're going to throw the screen out there. So he knows right away it's three on three. So he's going to go down here to the single receiver side. And basically it's a two man combination. And you can see there's some miscommunication here, which which I saw a few times through the films, he's either expecting this number one receiver to, to break it off into a slant because it's man. And you'll see that he settles and that kind of throws fields off, or he should be picking the linebacker who's covering the back out of the backfield. And when I say picking, you know, it's not pass interference. He should just aim at the toes of that defender. So the defender goes over the top, which is going to give him enough time to throw that arrow route to the running back. But you'll see neither happens. And that kind of throws fields off as he's looking that way. And again, being a great athlete, he's able to make something happen, which happens a lot as, as the film, as I I went through a bunch of film. Sorry guys, already first technical difficulty. I've already moved on to the, to the second one. Okay. Anything else that we want to take a look at with this particular play? I guess the, the, again, overarching question is why did Justin Fields struggle as a passer? So if you had to point to one kind of single factor for this particular play fits, you know, what, what, what do you, is it a breakdown on the offensive line? Is it receivers? Is it just really good defense by Dallas? Yeah, I think it's, it's a technique issue with the receivers versus man. Like something didn't happen, whether this outside receiver should have stayed on the move or he should have set a pick for the linebacker um, because you can see fields. And obviously we only have the sideline copy, but watching the tight copy too, he is looking to the left side and there's nothing there. 
So he, he tucks it down and he goes and he tries to make something happen, which he's able to do. Um, this one actually gets called back for pass interference because those guys were blocking the screen and he threw it as he was throwing the screen. So that was the, the penalty on that play. Okay. So it's designed to be a man beater. They're first, you said, running the motion to identify man, looking to see what the numbers are on the, on the top of the field to see if that linebacker doesn't run with the motion man, then they know they've got good numbers and they'll throw the screen up top. But since the, since the linebacker ran with motion, now you're looking at the man on man receivers down at the bottom of the screen, the, the outside receiver. And then I believe the running back comes out of the backfield. So, so one of those two men on the left side of the field should have run a route that would have been a man beater that fields could have, could have linked up with because we know now that they've vacated and they've, brought their strength to, to the top of the field to the screen side is that am, yep. I, am I stating that correctly yep correct there's a zone side and man side the motion said that it was man so he goes to the man side the receiver there was obviously a, a technique breakdown you know i think he should have broke out or he should have set a screen for that running back again i don't know what the play call was none of us will never know but again as the casual fan you know you see the quarterback you know just tuck it and run. You're like, Oh, what's he doing? Or you, you yell at the coach saying, you know, that was a terrible play call. But again, there, I think there was a technique issue in that play where there should have been a viable option for them. That's the really interesting thing. I think because there's been so much discussion, especially, you know, in the past year with wide receivers and their ability or inability to create separation and, and get open. And, you know, you know, you, even on that one play, you see it. There's so many facets to it. Are they running the right route? Are they, you know, are they gaining separation? Is the offensive line allowing them enough time for fields to throw? There's so many components. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, that's something you'll see throughout this. And again, it's Getsy's first year. So there's a learning curve. A lot of guys, new guys in the system too. Um, so it takes some time to kind of develop that rapport and understanding of, especially nuances with that. Like you install a play like that. It's easy when it's just, Oh, it's zone man, but you know, then you got to execute it. Yes. So if I have this correct boys, and I sure hope that I do, this is now the next drive. Cause that last one ended in a punt. And so now we are looking at first and 10 on Chicago's 43 yard line Fitz, Do I have the right play pulled up for you? Yeah, this looks like the right one before you hit play. I'll just kind of explain what we're going to see here. So this is just something I think is a great scheme uh, for Justin Fields and they, they do this a lot and he has a lot of success with this, but basically just a, a basic naked route, which kind of gets him on the move. You're going to sell the run, nice, easy throw, nice, easy reads, and you can go ahead and play it here. Okay. So what's kind of creative about this, they actually sell the naked, typical naked. You're going to sh- show like full flow, big run fake. They actually fake the toss. And then he's just going to open up, fake the toss to the right, open up to the left. And it was really creative with that short motion too, to kind of condense space, to create space. That short motion comes in and then he bounces out. That's his first read in the flat. And then usually you'll have a, a clear out a flat and then someone coming across the field. And I think these are things that he's really comfortable with. And again, nice, easy pitch and catch four or five yards. It's built off your run game. And I think this is, something I just wanted to point out that I think they need to do more of. When you say naked, would you explain a little bit the difference between a a naked boot and when you're going to pull alignment and add a little protection? Yeah. So typical, like the way we, we talk about in a lot of teams, um, 
talk about naked and boot naked is they're completely by themselves. The run fake has to hold that D end. There's no lineman coming with them. When you say boot or bootleg, at least in my terminology and a lot of other coaches boot tells you that there's going to be another lineman that's going to be pulling to kind of protect that quarterback. Um, but again, Justin Fields being big athletic guy, you know, he's able to, if you get the run game going, those are, those are great plays for him. I will say before we go to the next one, uh, one of the criticisms of Getzey was that he had a tendency to go to naked boot a little bit too often and a little bit too predictably with, with fields. And so in that one instance, and we saw a lot of Getzey growth over the course of the year, that last play that we watched, I think is, is good in terms of growth because you're right. The play fake does, does help. It does freeze the defense long enough to still allows them to do the naked boot effectively in that instance. Yeah. And, and to your point too, Jack, sometimes like as fans, you know, you're like, well, they're doing the naked too much, but if they saw on the sideline, you know, the play before where they ran it and the defensive end wasn't honoring it. Yes. Like that's why they might've come to it. And even sometimes myself as a play caller, even when it doesn't work, just giving the threat that it's there, that you have to stay home for it helps open up the running game later on. So sometimes like, you know, even like a screen, sometimes we'll throw and we don't get anything out of it. But again, it's making the defense be honest and, and they have to, you know, kind of honor those things. Can well, you, that's one of the, oh, sorry. Ahead. Yeah. I just wanted to say, you go, <laughs> I'm going to say something uh, just really quick is I love the way that you later on in the plays, you're going to show, Hey, this is how Luke Getzey set up for a really successful run play by a Khalil Herbert is the one that I'm thinking just right up off the top of my head, yep. you know, just love that, that the setup game just really quick fits. Is that something that you're thinking about in a game? Like, Hey, I'm going to keep calling this. So they think it's coming again so that I'm setting them up for, for later on. For sure. I mean, we always want to try and have some type of play action off our, our core runs because if it's something we're going to run a lot, when they come up and, and stuff that, we want to have something to kind of have them respect that. So it, it's something we always build in, and there's usually a guy in the box that, you know, hey, we're running this play. Watch the backside. Are they Is the end staying home, or is he selling out on the run? So those are things that we're watching for throughout the course of the game. And we actually have some technology too, where we can watch the game on the sideline. So when the defense is out there offensively, we're going through that series to look at those things. I just wanted to do my best Patrick Sheldon. Can you do the naked too much? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, Fitz, we have, uh, we have a a few other guys that are not here. They wanted to be here, but also we wanted to make sure that uh, we we got as much uh, time for you and and not having five guys asking you questions at one time. Are we, are we ready to talk about this next one again? I think I have the the, the right one pulled up here. Yeah. This one is, is pretty basic um, just in terms of the flaw. You'll see this is a, a hard play action and there's obviously some miscommunication. You'll see the the receiver on the top right, he's blocking. He doesn't even know it's a, a pass. So, you know, I don't know if this was a signal issue or this was a communication in the huddle or what was going on. But again, just another thing that's like, oh, Fields is holding the ball. What's he doing? You know, and then you look at the sideline view where you can see everybody, the guy's not even running a route. So if you want to roll that, you can kind of see um, the mistake here in the communication. This one's crazy because I, you. I watched you looked at your notes, Fitz, and I think both of the top two receivers are blocking. Right, and I don't. You know, yeah. What is going on? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't. So let's watch, yeah, let's watch this one one more time. 
So Justin Fields under center. You're right. There it is. There's that play action and looking for a guy that is just not there. And then that both athletic the ability. Settle down. They both break down, settle into a, a pass blocking tech. And that's what's crazy about Fields. That's how freakish he is, right? Nobody yeah. even runs a route and he still turns it into a positive play, keeps them on schedule. So the only thing, I mean, sometimes the NFL is so advanced that they have two play calls, you know, on this play. And one of them could be play action. If you saw a single high defense and maybe in his head, he knew he was changing the play, but he didn't verbally change the play. Um, you know, so there could be some, like I said, there's gotta be some type of miscommunication here because mm-hmm. this doesn't look right, but I think it's a great scheme. Seven man protection, you know, fields has got a big arm, simple reads, single high. So I'm guessing they were trying to get like a deep comeback or double move or, or some type of, shot there but just didn't happen so the offensive line is pass blocking and i think the the, the receiver at the bottom of the screen was run, running an actual route um yeah i just and i guess what i would wonder on that and of course there are humans playing a human game but just think about the amount of times you rep a play in practice is that is it just as simple as what you just said as they go back and they watch that one gets he's going to say hey justin what was your line call like, what did you, what did you say? What did you see? What did you call out? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're miscommunication in the huddle or at the line of scrimmage, you know, if he was supposed to check it and maybe in his head, he checked it, but he didn't verbally tell them what was going on. But yeah, definitely something, you know, that doesn't look right. No. So I, th- this one, um, this is the third and four, right? On the 32. That is correct. Okay. So this is another, another good use of motion. For a young quarterback, that's going to help him determine the coverage. Pretty simple here. I mean, you got single high defense. The DBs are head up on the receiver. So you're kind of thinking, man, they sent him in motion. So that that confirms that it's man. Now, what we would do, again, I think this is a, a technique mistake, is you'll see that motion guy is running in the flat. It's third and four, short yardage, or third and medium. What we would tell our receivers to do is to run at the toes of that that guy covering him in motion because that's going to force him to go over the top, which is going to create enough space to get that ball off. So if you can pause it kind of right when he gets into his route, right here. So you can see the, the top receiver on the left, he goes over the top of him. He should go underneath them. So roll that back just a little. Doing a great job, Ryan. This is tough. Mm-hmm. But that should give him enough room, but he doesn't. He allows that defender to go underneath him, so he's on him like glue, and there's really nowhere to throw the ball. And again, Fields, unbelievably, just reverses course and makes something happen. But that looked like a one-man route. So to me, there was a technique mistake. I mean, he's rolling to the left. There's one guy in the flat. It's third and four. He's going to be right at the sticks. Didn't happen. So he he's probably looking. he's looking for – if he's got an internal clock, he's looking for a rather quick release on that. And when he's looking at that left side combo, he's, he's seeing no one come open. And if I hear you right, it's because ultimately perhaps the route running is not as disciplined as it needs to be. And then all of a sudden I I, I didn't see it on on the right side. He gets pressured as the, does the right tackle miss his block. And so then he just scrambles it out. I think, I don't think it was a pressure issue. I, I just think it was kind of a one-man route in the flat, and when he realized he wasn't there, he just he, he got the heck out of there um, and tried to make something happen. But, yeah, I think a technique issue. And, again, I mean, this happens at our level too. Like sometimes we'll have too much in, and when you have too much in, 
that's when technique and discipline and details, you can miss those little nuances in those situations. Um, this one right here, uh, we got first and goal on the six. Again, just another uh, naked for Justin Fields, which I, I think fits his skill set. So just want to point this out. I think, again, you look at Shanahan and the success that he has with the Niners. I mean, it, it's run, run, naked, play action, and it just complements each other well. And I think here's just a good example of this again. This was possibly my favorite play that you pulled up Fitz because of that arm angle, literally going under the arm of the defender uh, was just incredible. So again, that, that, that play action and hit uh, pause right here. Sorry. Go back back to the top. What's also really good about this is a lot of times that guy coming into the flat is closer to the line of scrimmage. They're actually doing it with their number one receiver to the top there who's just inside the numbers. Um, yep. Right there. And that corner has a man to man. So that's a lot of ground to cover. He's got to go from there all the way to the flat, but it shows you how athletic these guys are too. I mean, it's, it's no problem. He's there and, and making that tackle pretty quick there. And actually the linebacker end up, you know, coming off, saw the fake and, and leaked out there, but yeah, the arm angle again, just having that, that arm slot to get the throw. The other thing I, I think on, on that one that stands out to me is as, as the season progressed, um, Fields' ball fakes improved remarkably. So in a play like that, like what is what does that mean for the all, overall effectiveness of of the offense in a play like we just saw? Yeah, for sure. I mean, play faking is an art, and a lot of guys, you know, want to rush it because it's it's kind of counterintuitive, right? You think, oh, it's a pass. I need to get out of here quick to to run the pass, but honestly those those play action those nakeds you want to sell it and we actually teach our quarterbacks to like present the ball show it with your hands and ride it with your hands and your eyes to really sell it and then get out of there but yeah i I saw some progress there in some of the later films that i saw of him yes and i think right there he just kind of got antsy he knew it was man and kind of rushed it and that's why that linebacker probably came off and you know stepped up for the corner who had a man-to-man otherwise it probably would have been a touchdown I remember talking about it because if you think of like, you know, Peyton Manning being that fantastic play action pass quarterback, it was, it's the opposite. It's this, you know, uh, fake handoff for a quarterback run. It just, it just, I don't know. He just, he, he mastered it at times, which is why we saw him set the single singer single season rushing record for a bears quarterback. Now this play right here, second and goal on the three, I think don't play yet. This is kind of what separates fields. I think from, the other people in the league. I mean, he's one of those guys that is an X factor down here, kind of like Jalen hurts. Um, when you get down here, the defense has to account for the running back. They have to account for quarterback run. And a lot of teams want to load the box and especially the interior, you know, cause they want to stop that inside run closest way to score is that inside run. Well here, you know, they do a great job of, of coming down with their receivers cracking and then pulling guys around and leading Justin Fields on the outside. And this is just difficult to defend when the quarterback can run and he's big like this down here. You know, this is what makes you special in these critical situations. 
sit there, Justin in the shotgun, taking the snap, immediate run. There's no question that he's going for it. And just so uh, to his left, rushing touchdown. And Fitz, I'm smiling right now for our audio-only listeners. Like, thank you for making sure to include this play just because it's just it's fun to watch it, it, them use him not simply as a drop-back passer. Yeah, and honestly, like this year, we, we had a, a quarterback who was a really good runner, and we did a lot of the similar stuff like this and it bails you out like critical situations, you know, short yardage, third and short, fourth and short down in the goal line. You gotta, you gotta move the chains or you gotta score. And when you have a quarterback like this and gives you this dimension, I mean, it takes your offense to a whole nother level and it's a headache for the defense because there's a lot to prepare for. Now, Fitz, can I ask you, because we're looking at this, and Braxton Jones, the left tackle, number 70, was a fifth-round rookie. And I, we thought played pretty darn well. Um, as we get close to this, uh, to, to the end zone here, I want to – I don't know why. He just stands out to me. So here he is out in front. Is this the, is this the block to make? Does, does he make the right block here? Is you know just, just enough to get uh, the, the corner on the outside there? What are you thinking with that? Yeah, for sure. So the receivers, they're trying to pin down there and then they're leading with the tight end and the tackle. And Justin's just reading that block. If that, that defender overcommits, he's going to cut inside just like that. If, you know, Braxton outflanked them, then he would kind of seal them and that, that ball would hit outside of him. But typically the guy's going to react like that. And it's a, it's a pretty simple block. And a lot of times too, you know, the blockers get yelled at, but it's the running back setting up the block. Like a key point for running backs is never cut in space for a ball carrier. So Justin Fields, in that case, you never want to cut in space. You always want to cut on the heels of your blocker because that's going to force the deep defender to get engaged into the block. You know, if you cut in space, then that guy's going to come over the top and then your, your blocker is just, he's not in a good perspective, a good frame to, to block that. Someone might watch that last play and say that was the left guard pulling. So I just, I think in that instance, I think Braxton, he, he kicked out and it was the left guard that pulled and led up uh, into the, into the end zone on that play. I'm not trying to correct you guys. I just know we'll have somebody who will in the comments say, well, Braxton Jones didn't pull on that play. Okay. Yeah. And, and those, those types of plays honestly is, is front dependent a lot of times. So like if somebody's inside of you, you down block, if not, you pull around. So Oh, so it is a dependent on the defensive alignment in terms of who pulls. Correct. On some of those pin and pull plays. Yeah. That's cool. I like that scenario. So this one just kind of points out, again, some issues with, you know, I think there's some poor technique in terms of receiver spacing here. There's, um, they try and run like a double move here on the bottom. And the, the, the number two receiver on the bottom, he should run an arrow. He should get to the flat as fast as possible. He can no, towards the bottom. He kind of oh, goes sorry. vertical and the other guy's trying to run what's called like a, a stick and nod. So he's kind of faking it out and then going up. And then the slot receiver should be trying to pull that safety. He comes over the middle. So you got two guys in the same spot. So oh, that, we just, sorry about that guys. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what that, that's a glitch from the system. That's not me. Yeah. All right. So if you kind of just pause it in the middle, so right there, you can see you got the two slot receivers kind of going towards the middle of the field and they end up together, which is not good. I, I can't believe that's <laughs> what they want. You got the receiver down here that who sh probably should have been on the other side of the defender. You have the back swinging out there too. So 
to me, there's just not a lot of space. And then the other thing is you got a four man rush creating pressure right away. I mean, so I think it just illustrates a couple of things. That's not field's mistake here. It's, I think there's some bad techniques and bad spacing. And then obviously the pass protection for a double move, you got to be able to hold up a little and this, you know, the guard there missed and he's a lot of bad on that play. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. I just, I, you know, it's funny as watching it because I'm sure I was, I was frustrated when it happened live. That's just that, that guard. Wow. That is a terrible, terrible block. It just, that just throws me, you know, not, not expecting to see that. That double move by, was it Comet on the bot? I mean, I I don't know. I wonder if that's, uh, and again, I, and I was going to ask you this a little bit later, right? Because you, you think about the whole idea of we've said on the show before, like rising tides raises all ships. So knowing what fields had around him and the constant discussion about that, you know, you just think about the, 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 the ways in which having better offensive linemen and better wide receivers allow for you as a play caller to alter what you do, Mike, or when you have a dearth of talent, no talent, how, how that then changes what you do. And I just wonder if, do you want to have, you know, your wide receivers in that instance running double moves and, and all of the stuff that was going on, or is that fairly standard or, or, or maybe bad play call given what we know about the personnel in the offensive line? Which yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that a lot of things to consider, right? I mean, right. It's, it always starts with the players. You obviously want to have a player who can do a double move that can get in and out of a cut. You obviously got to have the protection because it's going to take more time, you know, to do some type of double move. I think the other thing is, I don't know, previous games, had they run that concept a few times where they kind of felt like they had set it up? I mean, these guys at that level, the way they scout, I mean, they recognize the formation and dial it up. So maybe they thought they had a tendency that they wanted to break there. Um, But those are all things I think they take into account. And Mm -hmm. like you said, the players obviously – is the, is the first thing you got to take into account, but you do got to take some shots every now and then, you know, they're not all going to work. I mean, if that one would have popped, it'd been like, Oh, that's a great play call. You know what I mean? So it's tough. Um, This one, I think it's third and three on the 32, right? Yep. This one, you know, I think is just something fields has got to get better at. This is easy money. This is just a speed out to the boundary. I mean, this is an easy throw that needs to be completed, you know, every time at this level, in my opinion. And so, so he's just late getting the ball out there to his receiver. Yeah. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. I, I think the footwork's a little sloppy. Um, you know, they're, they're starting to teach the back pedal again when you're throwing to your left, if you're a right-handed quarterback, cause your, your right foot then is basically perpendicular on your line, so to speak. And I think he's just, the ball's going to go on the level of your shoulder. So if you drop back lazily and your shoulders are tilted, the ball's going to sail a little. And I think that's kind of, what he does, he's, I think the footwork is kind of just a little sloppy and he's falling back. He's off balance. Um, but to me, this should be a play that's completed every time at this level, you know, the coverage you got, you got some cushion it's into the boundary. Um, so just one that I thought was his fault. Did, did you find that you saw that sparingly Mike, or did you feel like there were more instances where you saw, some lazy fundamentals, because I would agree with you hundred percent. There doesn't seem to be a sense of urgency. He's not dropping back in a crisp way. And you defined it perfectly because he's not in a good position to throw the ball. So he sails it behind the wide receiver's shoulder. Yeah. Again, I mean, I I've watched limited film. I probably dove into four or five games, you know, and, and I did see it a little, he's, he's 
obviously a, a younger quarterback. And I think everybody kind of has some technique issues at time. Um, but something like that, he probably just took it for granted too. Like, Oh, this is easy mm-hmm. throw and just kind of lost focus for a minute. Mm-hmm. All right. We got second and 10 on the 47. Um, this one, you know, I call this max pass pro. I mean, they're, they're keeping seven in to block, you know, four essentially. And it's an easy twist to pick up. They can't protect. They had an opportunity at a bigger play. Um, this one, they actually did bring five, but still, I mean, this is, this isn't, this shouldn't be difficult to pick up. Yeah. And you can see the number two receiver. If you pause it right now, they kind of have a mix up in coverage, but since he doesn't have any time, he's got to throw the out route. And if you play it just a little more, the corner comes wide open. Nobody's even covering him. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so. So this is Darnell Mooney. That's right here. As I was watching this play, as you, you were giving us this list, I mean, this just feels like, with especially with the chemistry those two have. I mean, he's got space for days right here to to to. I maybe not to score, but but to you know just collect yards big time. Yeah, but again, no time. I mean, no it, time. It, yeah, it, it's yeah. lucky he got this out, and honestly. You know, he does a good job wow. kind of flinging it out there. And again, that's all arm going back to your point, Jack, like his feet really aren't probably set in the right spot. Like he should have his, his body turned a little more since every receiver's to the right. Um, so your, your shoulders should always be kind of on the same line as your target. And in that instance, his shoulders are going towards the middle of the field, but his arm is going towards the numbers and the receiver. So he could probably shift his body a little there. If there's an example of, what an improved offensive line would do for his passing proficiency. That last play is it because, because right. Because he has the ability there to hit Mooney on the corner route, you know, for plus yardage in a big gain. And those add up over time, you know, like the difference between having to like try to like do a secondary play scramble, or like you said, just flick it to the flats as opposed to, you know, taking the deeper shot. That's huge. Oh yeah. Turnovers and explosive plays are, are game changers. Um, and again, they had max protection. So they had, they had the play call perfect. They had seven guys, the block five, they had man to man. Right. Um, and they just, they couldn't execute it. Um, this one, we got third and four on the 47, right? This is, this is almost the, the same example here. They're going max protection. So when I say max protection, five linemen, the tight end and the running back, seven to block four and they can't protect it again. He's, he's flushed out and he's a stud. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's I a, wish you could throw. I'm sure he so. does too, but okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. It sure looks like he's trying, he has his eyes downfield. Like he doesn't want to run on this play. He, he is looking it, to me again, looks like he's looking downfield here. He wants to get, maybe he could have gotten the receiver at the top of the screen. I mean, maybe, am I missing something here, boys? No, I, I think he did have his eyes downfield, and I think he was trying to climb the pocket, and then the secondary guy came. I mean, the end comes off the edge. He steps up. He tries to move, and then he's, he's just he's there. flushed at that point. Can you do it one more time, Ray? Absolutely. I just wanted and, to see the routes. Guy over the middle pops oh, open. Oh, yeah, he pops big. I mean, two plays in a row. Right. Where if there's just a little offensive line blocking and max protection, like it's such a great point that you're making. I mean, it's stinking max protect, guys. Yeah. So so it is so it is Komet that finally does get open. I guess, yeah, you know, it, at that point, 
it's you're being chased down. You don't really have much of a choice, right? So yeah, that's, that's and you'll see go. the defender. He kind of turned and ran with him. So I think he he was looking at him, and then when he turned his shoulders and ran with the receiver, he just he tucked it and ran, got what he could. And again, it was th- it was third and four. Like I think that was good situational awareness. You know, he was able to get the first down. That's a great point. Yeah, just tuck it and get to the sticks, and you're yeah. done. Yeah. And if he would have thrown to Komet, it would have been you know he's creating in that situation, and depends on the situation. Yeah. So this next one is hard to watch. Uh, I know, you know, how it ended up finishing out with, uh, I don't want to give it away, but it's a penalty, but still this, this, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you're going to say on this one Fitz. Yeah. So this is first and 15 on the 32. Um, you know, I, this was just to me, I thought, I think this is poor anticipation. Like in the NFL, you got to throw the ball. If you can try and stop it right out of the receiver's break. So, right. About now. Like to me, he, he's got enough room to throw. He's got single coverage. You know, there's got to be some trust in the receiver. This ball has got to be out sooner. I think he hangs onto it too long, which allows him to take a hit. And then that ball sails and it gets picked off. But right there, the ball should be out. Yeah. yeah. But again, he's not able to that extra half a second at this level, you know, and, and that's something he's just got to improve on is that anticipation. And these guys are so fast on defense that, you can't wait till they break. No, let me ask you about that, Fitz. So in that particular, if we just focus on the DB and the wideout in that particular situation, the primary, the wideout, correct me if I'm wrong, he, he's taught to break that route off the minute that the DB flips his hips, correct? Right there. It, or it, is that a design route for him to sit down? Again, it's hard to tell. I mean, there are what's called a vertical choice route where the receiver actually reads the DB. Like you're saying, if he flips his hips, he hasn't broken the cushion down, then he's going to sit down. And maybe that's why Justin is kind of waiting to see what he's going to decide. He doesn't trust it. Or it's a called kind of comeback route at the sticks and he should let that thing rip. So that, that could have come into play there. Um, again, I don't know their playbook. I don't know if, right. what, what type of sit route that was. So just to give a quick bit of context on this next play, there was a roughing the passer call, which nullifies the interception as well as giving the bears first and 10 uh, in the red zone here. Yep. So again, this is another max pass pro play. So we got seven guys to block, you know, whoever comes, if they bring pressure, which looks like they are down here in the red zone, you're going to see more pressure again. It's, it's basically cover zero. You know, you got man to man here. So it's basically give me some time, find my best matchup and let it rip. And you'll see this time they do protect him. He's got two options. Um, the number two receiver can run a fade route from the slot. And number three is kind of running like a cross route, like a skinny post. He ends up hitting the, the post likes that matchup. And again, when you protect him, he lets it rip and nice. it's a touchdown. Good, accurate throw right in his Fits chest. Out. I wanted to ask if, if I'm a quarterback, don't I want to lead that guy just a little bit more than he let him? I mean, I, I, I guess he, he's got the good position. I mean, uh, in terms of where he's at in relation to the DB, but like, w- would it be beneficial for fields to lead him just a little bit more keeping the ball away from the defender? Or am I just reading too much into this? I mean, I really like the throw. I mean, I think against that coverage, he's going to, he's going to flatten it more. And I, and I think as quarterbacks, we talk about a one ball, which is a line drive. A two is kind of medium. And then the three is the high ball. And I, I think that is definitely, he's got to let that thing rip in a one ball. Um, 
especially because he's got the DB on his back. He's right. basically got right. He's got him in a position where, whereas if he were, because it's a good question, right? If he were to float it out or lead it, then maybe he gives that DB an opportunity to make a play on the ball. Yeah, yeah. And okay. he had separation. I mean, I think if there's separation, you know, don't leave it to chance. Just try and put it right on him. Another nice ball in that situation. I mean, that's great to see. Like you said, he's he had a little time, you know, and and yeah. I think we did see that throughout the course of the season where if he did have a little bit of time in the pocket, he would stand high and he would step up into the pocket and he and he would deliver. But there were a lot of instances like that one, two plays ago where you're like, wow, man, you got to recognize and rip it. And that's probably one of the things that you and, uh, you know, Kurt Warner and a lot of the other analysts said about him, that he was a little bit hesitant in those situations sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think as a quarterback, you got to love that situation where, you know, you're max protected, you got man to man. And if you got guys who can win and protect, I mean, you look at what he did at Ohio state, like you got those receivers and you know, you're going to be protected. I mean, he was playing at a high level and I think he's going to get there, you know, once he gets some weapons and, you know, the pass protection gets better. I guess I so, go ahead. Right. No, I, I, I got it. It was taking me a minute to get it pulled up, but I've got the next play unless there's something else you guys want to talk about first. No, let's roll. Yeah. So this is another good one. Second and nine on the 39. This is a, a great concept for fields. Again, it's, it, it's max protection and it's a two man route. So this one, he's going to give a hard play fake and you're going to see the receiver on the top. He's going to kind of make it look like he's running the over on the boot and then just puts I, foot in the ground, pivots out. I must have watched this play seven or eight times just because the cut by Mooney, he's telling the DB I'm, I'm going one way. And then just that nice cut right there back outside. Oh man. That's just a thing of beauty right there. Yeah, it's wild yeah. on the cornerback or how the corner then uh, passed off too. Why would the corner pass off in that situation? So again, can you naked too many times, right? They yeah. see hard play action naked 90% of the time. The guy's running the deep over route. So I think he got his head in the backfield. He saw naked. I got to go. Right. And I think he just got on his horse. Oh, and you're then, right. And then I think he kind of thought he was getting high load by the other receiver. Yes. And so he, he kind of saw him spun out to make sure the safety didn't blow that one. But again, Great. this is something he can do. Big arm. Oh, I see what you're saying. So in other words, because they had run naked so often, perhaps that cornerback assumed that they were running naked to the opposite side. Correct. So he got on his horse. Yep. And then all of a sudden Fields plants his foot and goes straight to money. Yep. That's yep. kind of sweet. And he saw the other receiver once he realized what was going on. He saw the other receiver flash by him. And he didn't know if the safety saw him. So then I think he just sent a full drill. Isn't it? Yeah. Again. That's cool. You watch Shanahan, those guys, again, when they get the ball, when they – get the run game going hard play action. They're going to do a lot of stuff like that, where it's just, I like that last play. That one was cool. <laughs> easy read again. Here's another great naked concept. So I think that's kind of the theme, right? You know, getting them on the move, get the run game going again, just super easy concept, great scheme. And we've seen a lot of different ways. Again, pressure in his face, just the arm angle. That's a tough throw. I, I just I'm so impressed because he's such a big guy and to be able to uh, as he gets here again play action to Khalil Herbert and then that underneath the uh, the the defender's arm like that just that's it's just I, I just am so impressed with with that with that angle and how he's able to do that go go back to that one Ryan real quick because this is going to set up the next one give me one second here boys all right okay there you go. so here pause it right after his fake if you can 
Okay, so see how these defenders, they're starting to play the naked. They're not really squeezing on that tackle. Okay, and that's that's the great thing about the run game and naked is as soon as they start doing that, that's when you want to come back with the run game. So we'll load this next clip up and you'll see. Because they're happens. not honoring the run in that situation at all. In other Correct. words, they are they're so keyed to the naked boot. Correct. They're not honoring the run. So then that would be a give in, in a lot of instances. Yep, for sure. Once they overplay, then you take advantage. Yep. That's and we, we've only picked out a few plays, right? And how many of them have been naked? So, right. I mean, they're starting to kind of overplay that. Yes. So this is what we're talking about here. They're just running a zone play. And you're going to see that DN, that backside defense linebacker too. They're going to be all playing the naked. And then the cutback goes right inside of them. Oh, Dude. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't honor it at all. Yeah. They didn't honor it, the run at all. Sorry, boys. It is glitching just a little bit again. I apologize for that, but yeah. So that Khalil. So basically, folks, for their listening, I mean, it's it's it looking it's looking like it's going to be Justin Fields passing again, but at this time, Khalil Herbert just takes the ball basically right up the gut for a touchdown. What a play! What a play! One more time, Ray. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, the DNs are usually they're gonna they're gonna squeeze down, kind of play the heel line. This guy comes upfield so hard, and he can't retrace. And that cutback's there. But again, so, going going back to what you were saying, right? There's somebody in the box watching this. Like, hey, two plays ago, you know, Justin Fields, right? He had to pull up, arm angle. That guy's right in his face. Let's come back with the zone run. So, boys, let me ask you a question. Um, so right there, I'm watching both the uh, the outside receiver as well as the running back put their hands up by their ears. Is that signaling that a ch- there was a change in a play call just so that they know what's going on? Yeah, typically that kind of symbolizes that they're all on the same page. Um, so two plays might have been called in the huddle. He checked the play. They touched their head, making sure that they're all on the same page there. So, that, I mean, that gets me even more excited then because that's basically telling me this, that Justin Fields read it correctly. And, you know, much of the criticism of Justin Fields has been his inability to uh, to read defenses. Um, I mean, I know it, it, it can be, I don't know, am I oversimplifying here? No, I mean – it could have been an instance where the play call was something like zone naked, you know, check. And, you know, if those defenders were playing wide, let's run the zone. If they're, if nobody's out in space, you know, run the naked. So, you know, if he did change it, or it could have been just a dummy call <laughs> and we're giving him That's too much true, credit. Right? Yeah. Where they, he just makes <laughs> some kind of call at the line, they checked their helmets, but it was a run play the whole time. Right, Omaha, right. Omaha, Omaha yeah. <laughs> on every single play. Right. All right. So we're looking at this is now fits the, uh, the, the two point call, right? The extra point play. Yeah. Th- this is a two point play. And again, situational football, I would think that this play has been, you know, repped a lot. So again, we got motion. We know it's man. So <laughs> yeah, t- to the left, there should be some type of rub concepts, you know, I would think that the the slot should be setting up a rub for the outside versus man. They end up passing it off. He wasn't expecting it. You know, it, it could have been Dallas playing great defense where they pass that off. And so they, they had yeah. him fooled there on the left. Jeez. And, and then he just takes the hit. Uh, our audio only listeners, let me just say this sack hurts watching it. Uh, and how many weeks back is this football game? I feel bad for Justin Fields on this play. That is that just looks like it hurts. Now, now go back though to the to the start. So what's built into this play though is, is a zone read. So the guy who hits him, he could have ran the ball and read him, 
you see how there was a run fake? Mm, yeah. But he saw man, so his eyes completely went off to the left. And when they switched it off, he, he was screwed there. Now, again, going back to a coordinator, if you have a quarterback that you don't want to take a hit, you can create the RPO differently where you can protect that C gap. Like that's a real risky RPO with your franchise quarterback that you're not going to protect them. And he looks left and takes a, like you said, a six yard head start and just gets nailed. Um, so play design, that could have been a little different. So Mike, if I heard you correctly, then you're saying that the the read probably should have been in that situation on the RPO to have handed the ball off. What, why do you think that Justin kept it, it, it in the past? It, it was an option to run it, but I think with the motion, it was man. So he liked the man combination, but if you saw the Cowboys defenders, they didn't chase, they switched off. I see. And when they switched off, he had nowhere to go with the ball. I see. And so the guy screwed, right. But you could have attached a tight end to block that D end. And now he's got a chance. And now, yeah. Now if that, if they do switch off, he at least can protect himself and get back to line of scrimmage or throw it away. Um, so they could have protected him a little better there. Mm-hmm. First and All 10 right. from the 25. All right. So this is just simple zone read play. So we just saw the play where he was an option to give it. Um, but he, he went to the other side. This one just basically reading the DN, the tight end arcs. Wow. He squeezes down, Dude. he pulls it. I mean, again, this is that X factor. You look at what Hertz did with Philly. I mean, it's just nice to have a player who can do this. Tight end's going to arc on a corner, read the DN, he crashes, Crash a lot of space. Run. I mean, the DN sold out hard on the run in that situation, and I wonder if he remembered the Khalil Herbert play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that cat and mouse of, okay, yep. naked zone, naked zone, naked zone. All right, now they're respecting it. Let's come back with the read. Great Man, read. that's it, – so so Cole Komet gets called for for a holding call on this one, which is kind of a bummer because it just seems like, I mean, you know, that maybe he doesn't need that, that Justin Fields is so fast that that first initial, when he puts his hands on him, that that would have been so, enough. And so, so go pause it right when he's behind the tight end. Right there. So this is what I was talking about earlier. Just little details, little technique. The, the ball carrier can't cut in space. What he should do is mm. try and run through the outside of Komet's number. And that's going to set up the block and it's going to create space for that cutback. But what he does is he cuts it a little early. And so then the tight end panics, the, the DB tries to sink back inside to get fields. And that's what creates the hold. Um, so this is something you got to work on a lot, just getting guys in space, but he could have set that block up a little more. Okay. So the fact that he cuts it underneath makes it so that the defender then has a, has a a path to the football and then makes it so that Komet is then ends up holding. Whereas if, if fields would have pressed the sidelines and pressed Komet's outside number that puts Komet in a better spot to make a block. Yeah. Commits the defender to the blocker gets him engaged where you can get your hands inside. But if you make the cut too soon, he's going over the top and then your hands are outside your cylinder. The ref sometimes, you know, they're so going to keep that pressing sideline, making the defender think that as a runner fields that he's going to try to keep pushing to the sidelines and he's setting up his block. Then if he wants to cut back, he can cut back a little bit later and right, void right the off, hold right off his butt. And That's what it does too, is it creates space from the pursuit, right? You're, you're widening the pursuit. So 
That's so cool. Um, just a little technique thing. We got a couple plays left here, which gets me excited because the logistics of this, but also just uh, we've got some, we've got some interesting plays coming up here too. Yeah, so we got third and seven on the thirty-nine, and again, this just I think shows it's a great throw when given time. Um, he's got the big arm again, max protection. They they kind of chip off into it. Great play, great throw. So Justin Fields sitting in the shotgun takes the snap just outside receiver. I think that's, is that, I can't tell if that's Dante Pettis or whoever's got the ball, just a great outside left throw. Uh, nope. That's Darnell Mooney. Sorry. Like that's a whip, a, like a whip route or a yeah, whip? it's a, it's a deep whip. So um, like we call it a, a pinch route, a post bench. So he's going to fake the post, go to the bench. And again, right hash in the NFL thrown all the way to the left sideline, big time throw oh, right on the money. And he's got time. Yep, he's got time. <laughs> See, I, I think that's the thing is that I love that you were talking about, right? Because if the offensive line is blocking on a regular basis, the, the dude dude has all the tools. He has all the tools in which to, to, to kind of make it happen. Yeah, and, and the other thing to point out, right, too, is if you're going to max protect and you have the time, then it comes down, can your receiver beat the DB? And goes to that weapons piece. Like Mooney's obviously pretty talented, but when he went out, you know, who's that guy? You know, so even when you're max protected, you run a two man route, can you win? Um, so that makes yeah. it tough. Cause that was, I think, going to be one of my biggest questions. And we can talk about it now or at the end, but ultimately, you know, to ask you, like, to the extent, do you see the necessary skills required for fields to evolve into an effective passer? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the arm strength, I mean, he is accurate. I think it's just going to be, it's a new system. He changed coordinators. So it's new learning for him, which obviously slows somebody down a little. Mm -hmm. um, I think getting some better weapons and getting some time. And I think too, when you're getting hit, you know, that, that starts to get in your head of, you know, do I really have time? You got this clock that's different than what it really is. Mm -hmm. So I think just trust in the line and, and getting some pieces that can create some separation. Um, it was something I saw in other games too, is the receivers weren't creating a ton of separation. Like, the throw had to be perfect. So here, here's a good play that I, I wanted to add. So this is third and eight on the 28. So again, talked about hurts a lot in the Eagles. What did they do a ton? Went for it on fourth down. And when you do that, you can run the ball on third and eight, you know? So you got a great quarterback who can run it third and eight. You run the ball. If you get stuff short, you go for it on fourth down here. He ends up getting it anyways. So we have motion. We know it's man. Man. So, and then fields outside to his right with a great run, man, folks, that's, that's fun to watch. The DN crashes. So once, yeah. oh, wow. Okay. And, and like you said, Jack, the motion, right? They did have a screen. Mm -hmm. So if the guy didn't go with them in motion, they would have had numbers three on two. So that's kind of an RPO. He could have thrown it there. It's not. So let's just read the DN, arc the tight end. He crashes, breaks a tackle again, just big. I mean, you see him run over DNs, break those tackles, those arm tackles. I say, is that Parsons? I mean, I, I mean, their defense obviously is really talented. Right. Sure. But I mean, because that's a tough call right there. Because the D, DN doesn't necessarily commit fully to the run. And, and you know, Mike, for a quarterback, that's a very, it is a flash second decision to have to make. Right. And it's not an easy yeah. decision to have to make. Sometimes it looks real obvious, like the previous RPO where he kept and ran, but that one's, that one's gray. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. So for us, you know, we always say gray is a give. If you're unsure, give it to the downhill runner because he's going to get positive yards. If, mm-hmm. if it's gray and you pull it and you get stuck in the backfield, that's, that's a negative, negative play. You're behind the chains, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But again, you'd also don't want to overcoach a guy like fields. If he, <laughs> he's got an instinct. I mean, he does things like that. That's what I was gonna, as you were saying that I was thinking, yeah, like difference between telling a high school kid gray give and then fields in the background. <laughs> yeah. You know, right? I mean Yep, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, we had an athletic quarterback too. Yeah. And there'd be times where I'd be like, Hey, challenge the guy. You're so so darn athletic. And mm-hmm. so you let him be more aggressive. Yeah. You know, and, and they learn like you pull it, you get stuffed. Okay, well, later in the game, gray does become a give now. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> so big picture stuff. Where do you see this offense kind of progressing to next season? You know, uh, obviously with no free agency, no no draft picks yet, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, how they're going to take advantage of some of these incoming players that we know are going to be here. But just for from scheming wise, like what do you see as like the next step for this offense? Yeah, I mean, just watching the games that I watch, I think where they're efficient, like I said, is when they get the run game going and they play action off of it. You got those nakeds where you get them on the move. You get the hard play action where you're max protecting and you got, you know, two man routes, those types of things where I think he's got a huge arm. Again, it's just we need some receivers, right, that can make those double moves, get some separation. Um, you know, obviously the quarterback run game and the RPOs off of it are high percentage things that I think they can get really good at. And you can see that they're already good at that. Um, and I think he's just got to develop kind of in that five step where it takes a little more time, more progressions, more learning, recognizing the defense. Um, but I think that's going to come with time in the system, you know, again, new coordinator, a lot of learning. These NFL playbooks are huge. And you look at quarterbacks who have done well early on, right? They've, they've had consistency with their coach. I mean, Tom Brady, one of the greatest, right? But he had the same coordinator like his whole career. Like think about how good you can get if you're, you're going through the same thing over and over, you know, versus a guy, some of these, these highly touted guys, they go through three or four coordinators because they get drafted on a losing team who's not very good. And then they go through these coaches and they can never learn and get the reps and really master anything. So I, I think just continuity is going to be better for him, obviously getting some weapons, protecting him a little more, um, you know, the defense taking some pressure off him. When you got a great defense, your offense becomes a lot better. You get shorter fields, stuff like that. So I think it all comes together. Well, that was interesting that you say that because as I'm re-watching this game, just going, oh, the defense gave up another touchdown. The defense gave up another touchdown. There's just several times this season where if the defense would have played okay i mean the, the way that they were putting up nearly 30 points on a, on a regular basis it, it just it was it was really odd as a bears fan because you're not used to seeing your offense score points mm-hmm. and your defense give up so many points I don't know. yeah for sure i mean he was, he, he was 17 to 23 in this game for 151 yards two touchdowns so he had six incompletions he ran the ball for 60 yards like he had a great game but like you said you, you know you got to be able to get some stops too on the other side it makes me wonder, and this might be confirmation bias. So you, you know, this is where it's good for us to hear from you. But I think to myself, going back to your previous point about establishing a run game and then play action off of it, if you've got the best rushing offense in the league and cannot develop a, a passing game that is NFL worthy, 
to me, like that, isn't that just highlighting the inadequacy of the skill position players in the offensive line and or Luke Getze? I don't know. Or, or maybe Justin Fields for those people that are critical of him. Cause how, like, how can you be so poor at throwing the ball when you have established such an incredibly good running game? Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at Brock Purdy, right? I mean, they can run the ball and they got some weapons and now your four string quarterback looks pretty good when he, you know, hard play action. He's got guys getting open. Um, So I think that illustrates your point. You got to get the run game going, but the run game too also just can't be dependent on the quarterback as well. I think their run game opens up because they got to respect fields. So that's a huge weapon to have. Like when you got to honor him, like we saw that pin and pull run to the outside, we saw the zone reads like that's a lot to prepare for. And you look at the Eagles run game. I think that's why they had so much success because you got to respect everybody. So that it, as a defense, that's got to be a pain of how are we going to stop fields? That's got to be a question, right? In the run game, how are we going to stop the run game? There's so many things. So, I mean, to me, I think it's exciting, right? I mean, you get these draft picks and you got this dude at quarterback that can do so many different things. And, you know, I think the only way is up, right? So, I mean, that, that kind of answers my, my last question here for you, Fitz, is what would you say to Bears fans that are nervous about his lack of production in the past game? going forward i mean just as a a play caller myself when you have a quarterback when i mean coaches aren't perfect right if i have a quarterback when i call a bad play and he turns it into a positive play and like fields does a spectacular play i mean man that that is such a weapon to have and the way you can use them like i said in those situations when it's short yardage when you're in the red zone like those things are such those are intangibles that you have that are going to make your offense better. Like he's going to develop as a passer. He's got the arm strength. He's got, you know, the tools to do it. I mean, you look at Ohio state when he had the weapons, like he he can sling it, you know, he can get it done. I think he just got to build it around him. And I I think he's just going to get better when it's not solely focused on him. I mean, I think defenses now are completely committed to stopping him. You know, imagine when they have to start thinking about some other things, um, you know, even in this Cowboys tape, right? How much time we basically saw one high defenses man to man, pretty much that whole tape. Because I don't think they're really concerned about stopping the pass. They're they're loading the, the box to stop the run and stop fields. And again, if you don't have receivers who can separate versus man, then then teams can do that. <laughs> I don't know what to say other than thank you, Jack. I don't know if there's any other questions that you want to get out there because we fits okay. Peeling back the curtain for everybody that's out there. He had to watch all this film. He had to break down all this film (laughs) and he's doing it here live for us too. So like, thank you. Thank your wife for us for, for giving so much of your time to the bear down Chicago podcast, man. Thank you. No, no, this was fun. I appreciate you giving this a try. I know this was a first time for you. So hopefully it turns out great. People like it and we'll have to do it again. I, I mean, I was, I was enamored the entire time. So Fitz, you know, you have a standing invitation anytime you want to come back. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. So fun. Thanks. Thanks, coach. We really appreciate it. Last thing before before you get out, we just want to say best of luck to the York Dukes next season. We will be cheering you on during the podcast throughout the season. And I'm going to try to make it out to at least three, three games next season. Got to make it out to two last year. So uh, just just pulling for you guys big time. Appreciate it. We're working hard every day. We're trying to get better. So we're we're excited. Mike Fitzgerald, head coach of the York High School Dukes in Elmhurst, Illinois. Uh, Just a phenomenal, phenomenal guest. Fitz, thank you so much, buddy. Wow. Wow.
dude, Jack. Okay, I know. Like for you, like that had to scratch an itch just a little bit, right? Because it it's been a while since you've been. In- <laughs> yeah, selfishly it does. I I don't know the extent to which you know fans enjoy that. I think it's different for every fan. Every fan follows and watches the game in 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 their own way, and there's that's the beauty of it. There's a place for everybody to be a fan in their own way. That's how I love to be a fan. I mean that, and and to play and to coach. I don't know. I mean, I hope our some people will watch it and they'll love it. Michael Gus will watch it and will love it, right? And there'll be some other, uh, you know, uh, coaches that we have, and I think some fans of the team that love that type of analysis, and they're going to geek out right along with us. But if you're looking for answers and you want specifics about why things don't work or why things do work, and you want some tangible evidence about Justin Fields going forward. Then, then you've got it if you watch this. But if you'd rather just kind of talk like abstractly about whether or not the guy can play or whether he wants to play in a dome or whether or not he's this or that, then sure, you can hash that out all you want. But I would much rather talk about this 24-7, you know, seven days a week. This to me makes it makes it real. It just makes it real. I always feel like I know a lot about football and then I sit and talk with Fitz and just go, oh, I don't know anything about anything of what's going on. I just I feel like what I really enjoy about the game is still having a lot of things to learn. And that was just that was a master class in terms of just like breaking down film. I know he can't do it because of the time commitment, but it just, just if we could have him on a semi regular basis, I, I would I would kill for it. He's so freaking good at what he does. And I just, you know, I, it, it, it's no shock to me just knowing the type of guy that he is that York had the season that they had I just know he's meticulous in every single thing that he does he lives and breathes football and those kids are so lucky to have him and we're lucky to have him on the show absolutely anytime someone takes a, a, a program a public school program in the suburbs and and turns it like he turned York it's hard to fully state the Herculean effort that it takes to do that in as competitive of a field it is in our, in our area specifically, now we're not Texas or, you know, some of the other Southern schools where they play year round, but when it comes to local Illinois high school, it, it cannot be, you know, overly stated to suggest the ways in which what he did specifically for that program to turn it to a winning program, a game away from winning a state, you know, being in the state finals, impressive to put it wildly. <laughs> I, I just, I'm so thankful that we had him on. All right. So Jack, I mean, I, I know that we have shout outs that we can give collectively, unless there's one or two that you want to give. I, I know the ones that I would. Go ahead. So collectively that has to go out to Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru and Logan Bradley. I know they wanted to be here, but they had other things going on and I know they're going to geek out over this episode. So all of those guys at the bear down Chicago podcast. Now I'm also a little worried too, because I know that we've been having trouble when I'm hitting the outro music. So hopefully I'm going to go ahead and let's just keep your fingers crossed that there's no. Don't put Ryan in the corner. Outro music. All right, thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, for for listening, for streaming, finding a friend, sharing this out with whoever might be out there. Thank you so much. And as always, folks, bear down, Chicago.